Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, and we're streaming at WCEV1450.com. Now, if you have not already done so, make sure you are following us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA, and that is the same username that you're going to use to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, so you can listen whenever you want, right? You might not make uh, that 6 p.m., 14.50 a.m. broadcast. You might miss the live stream, but you can always go back to Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, tune in, or wherever you get your podcast at and listen at your leisure. Is it leisure or leisure? I'm going to say leisure. All right. So uh, anyway, folks, uh, I am glad to have uh, back in the studio joining us Mick Dumpke, um, you may have heard, uh, we've had some conversations in the past about the um, uh, Chicago's gang database, but for those of you who are just coming out from under your rock and you're just getting acquainted with him, uh, he is a reporter for ProPublica, Illinois. He's also done stints with the uh, Chicago Sun-Times and the Watch Watchdog teams uh, where he reported on the dismantling of public housing, the impacts of the state budget crisis on prisoner re-entry and the police department's use of a secret watch list, which I just mentioned we talked about in the past. Welcome back, Mick. Hey, it's great to be here. So, uh, so this time, we're gonna take it really easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's going on out there, right? Yeah, we'll just kick back here and yeah. Yeah, we're gonna take it real easy. And we're just gonna look at this historic upcoming uh, mayoral runoff election. Uh, we know that for the first time in Chicago's history, we are going to have an African-American woman as mayor, right? So we're looking at, uh, we have Lori Lightfoot, a former federal prosecutor. Uh, and she's held a number of different positions with uh, past administrations. Uh, I think it was Office of uh, Emergency Management before, uh, some work with the uh, police oversight and some other, other uh, positions that, that she's held. And then we have Tony Preckwinkle. Uh, commissioner, board president, uh, Cook County board president, uh, former alder uh, woman, former school teacher, um, right, has been on the scene for, for quite a while. Man, so <laughs> <laughs> I think you just summed it up very nicely. Yeah. Two, uh, yeah, two, two, two women who have been um, uh, immersed in different ways in local government for and public policy for a long time um, but yeah let's just pause on the fact for a minute we're going to have an african-american woman who's going to be our next mayor and uh, that's just striking i mean in a city with the history of chicago in terms of uh, segregation and racial injustice um, we've only had one woman mayor in the whole run jane byrne 1979 to 1983 um and uh two black mayors previously one of whom elected harold washington and then another interim mayor eugene sawyer so to shake it up uh the sort of long long run of white men who've occupied this position that in itself makes this a huge deal and in a national story beyond chicago yeah so we're going to have our second African-American, well, third, right, if, we, if we're counting, you know, Eugene Sawyer as well. But what's really interesting is that we had four, I believe four African-Americans that were in the, uh, in the race um, at first that, were, that made the ballot. Uh, we had Amara Enya, um, 
Dr. Willie Wilson, and uh, Tony Preckwinkle, and Lori Lightfoot. Neil Salas Griffin. I missed him. Jamal Green. Oh, well, yeah, he, he bowed he out. He bowed out early. early, so I guess he wasn't yeah. actually on the ballot, right? Right. Uh, but the point being, yeah, it was a pretty – it's easy to forget who was in that first round. It seems so long ago already yeah. that we voted just at the end of February. But, yeah, 14 people were on the ballot for round one, mm-hmm. and a very diverse mix of people. Um, yeah. So uh, really interesting that we got here. And I don't know about you, I did not foresee – these two finalists being in the runoff. No, no, not at all, not at all. Uh, and you know, and before I even say anything about their presence, uh, about where we are right now, I've got to say that one of the the strangest sights um, on the ballot for me was former CPD Superintendent um, <clears throat> Gary McCarthy. That that made to me it made absolutely <laughs> no. No, no sense whatsoever. But I just, I just wanted, to, I just wanted to how put so? That how so? Just uh, you thought he was, he was done for after he was ousted as police superintendent. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you left. This was uh, the Laquan McDonald, um, you know, scandal uh, that that was on his watch. Um, he was removed. You know, he became the fall guy. Uh, and not to say that he didn't bear any responsibility, you know, uh, right. you know, for that. Uh, certainly not saying that, but for him to exit the the public uh, space, the the public eye in that fashion, uh, and then on the heels of a verdict that was less than, I would say, really, really wasn't what a lot of folks thought that they would be looking at. This, you as mean far the as sentence for yeah, Jason the Van Dyke? Yeah, yeah. The, it was much Jason more Van Dyke, The officer shot Laquan McDonald, mm-hmm. got what uh, a lot of people thought was a relatively light sentence. I think with time served and and good behavior, we're, he's looking at probably what was well, it four like years. three years, three and a yeah. half years, something like that, right? Yeah. Um, now uh, that sentence came down after Gary McCarthy announced that he was running, mm-hmm. so. Um, my dear friend, Ben Jarofsky, longtime columnist at the Chicago Reader, he and I co-host a live talk show once a month uh, we call First Tuesdays in honor of the rich tradition of uh, mm-hmm. First Tuesday voting. Uh, he, Where is it at? It's well, at the Hideout. Thank you. Okay. I, I should be better at promoting <laughs> these things. Hideout is a, uh, a bar on the near uh, northwest side of Chicago, which right now is kind of in the line of fire of the big, huge, massive Lincoln Yards development, which appears mm. to be pending. Um, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but a huge, basically a new neighborhood that uh, developers in conjunction with uh, Mayor Manuel and other city officials are planning to put up on the north branch, along the north branch of the Chicago River. But I bring that up because Ben Jarofsky, um, to my great amusement, and, and it's a great observation, has always divided the, uh, the camps the, the mayoral candidates into two camps. Mm-hmm. There's the people who got in after Rahm announced he wasn't going to run, and then there's what Ben calls the OGs, the original gangsters, <laughs> who were going to run regardless of, they were planning to run against Rahm, and right. Lori Lightfoot was one of those, and so was Gary McCarthy. So these were people who, for one reason or another, um, decided they either wanted to go head-to-head with, with Rahm or they thought that he was vulnerable or both. And Gary McCarthy, I think, clearly wanted to uh, work out, you know, the grudge he had, as, as you said, uh, whatever his culpability was um, 
responsibilities in that tangled web, ugly tangled web that um, uh, the, the surrounding Laquan McDonald shooting, he certainly thought that he was thrown under the bus by the mayor, yeah. and he was. Yeah. Um, whatever you think of Gary McCarthy. So anyway, he was in the race, uh, you know, wanting to sort of take his shot back at the mayor. Yeah, yeah. All right, and, and I don't want to. I don't want to. You don't know, need to go focus back to just that, on but, him, yeah. but yeah, it, it certainly did surprise me, uh, considering he came here for a job, right? That's why he came right. here. He, you know, he was not, to me, somebody that was invested in Chicago. You know, I think he's from Jersey. Um, he's from New York City. His he's dad New York was a New York cop, and then he grew up. He became, I think, the number three or number four person in the New York City Police Department. Mm -hmm. Then Cory Booker, now presidential candidate Cory Booker, right, yeah. when he was mayor of Newark, um, tapped Gary McCarthy to be the police chief in Newark. Yeah. And and then Rom brought him over here. Yeah. Uh, again, we're not talking about Gary McCarthy on the show, yes. but in fairness to Gary, uh, he's since uh, married a Chicagoan and is apparently set up you know, his, his life here and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. And I should note that uh, there are other people who are not native Chicagoans who have been in this race, including both Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle, who grew up and went to high school in other cities. So this is kind of an interesting moment in Chicago history for, mm. um, I'm also a transplant to Chicago. I've lived here for more than 20 years, but I will never make the mistake of claiming I'm from Chicago. Because okay. if you go to high school someplace else and a native yeah. Chicagoan catches you saying you're from <laughs> Chicago and you didn't go to high school here, they, you'll get in all sorts of trouble. So even though Lori Lightfoot and, and Tony Preckwinkle have both made, you know, they both lived here for decades. They've both been invested and involved in, in public life here. Yeah. Um, neither one uh, is actually from here originally. And I guess that would kind of open up um, a discussion on do you have to, you know, do you have to be a, a native of whatever that space is? Right. Um, you know, and I think it really is more about showing a sense of commitment, right? And I think both, I would say, in all fairness, even even for uh, for McCarthy, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back down because I mean, because really, I think if you come in for a job, it's it's a bit different, right? But if you you know, he stayed on, he's still here, and he's built a life here. He's as eligible as anybody else to run for. Sure. Yeah. So you meet the, you meet the residency requirements, which, by the way, uh, eight years ago, Rom had to go to court yes, to did. survive a residency challenge uh, because he had spent so much time in Washington. Um, I only bring it up. I think it's interesting because, and this d doesn't just happen in Chicago; it happens in other places. But even though we're an international city, there are people migrating in and out of Chicago from around the world and around other places in the United States, and, and thank goodness because the city would depopulate if there weren't people coming into it constantly. Yeah. Now that said, there is, in politics, there's this sort of purity test that gets applied, and it's interesting to me, it didn't come up so much in the mayor's race, but I am seeing it even in some of the ward races. There's 15 um, races for aldermen that are in runoffs as well, and you're seeing some of those kinds of things creep in. Uh, Rahm Emanuel's longtime floor leader, uh, Patrick O'Connor, uh, one of the, the power brokers at Chicago City Hall, is in a runoff for the first time since he was elected in 1983. Wow. And issues are coming up against his challenger, things like, oh, he's a renter. Oh, you know, is he really from this community? 
Um, not, not to mention the fact that he was also a rapper at one point in time, and some of his lyrics from his days as a rapper, uh, Alderman O'Connor has tried to make an issue. This is Andre Vazquez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, who was a member of the Mole Men. If you're a hip-hop fan, mm-hmm. um, Mole Men, this great production and, and hip-hop team, well-known uh, to diehard Chicago music fans. So he was a part of that. But now, you know, this is politics, and uh, the old alderman is, uh, is, is bringing up some of his lyrics and saying, do you really want a guy who's, you know, said some of these ugly things in some of his lyrics before? Do you want him to be the leader of this community? So mm-hmm. um, while there's these huge issues we're dealing with, there's also, uh, you know, these kind of uh, who's really a Chicagoan, who's really from our community, those kind of questions and murmurs that always come up in these campaigns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me... It always goes back to what have you done? What has been your demonstrated commitment to to the ward, to the city, uh, to whatever office you're running for? What have you done to demonstrate a commitment? And then I, I think that's what, and I think I can speak for uh, you know for a lot of folks. I know folks share this sentiment that when you have somebody who their only qualification is their checkbook, right. you know they, they've they've never. They've never uh, been about any particular community service, uh, activism. They don't have any particular um, grasp of, you know, of, of government. And it's just, well, I'm here and, and I can write a check and I, I can afford to, um, to, to field a campaign. Uh, I can afford to run advertising. You know, that can make voters really, really cynical. I think even beyond the whole, uh, you know, are you really from here thing. Absolutely. It's a huge issue. Of course, uh, the money, money in politics is a huge issue at every single level. Yeah. And they've been talking about it um, at the federal level. There were one point in time some, uh, not even super strong, but there were some regulations on campaign finance, uh, the McCain-Feingold bill and uh, McCain-Feingold law, I should say. And, and much of that was overturned by the Supreme Court in its infamous Citizens United decision, which basically uh, open the floodgates to, you can find ways basically now to give any amount of money. Yeah, exactly. Through super PACs, through dark money groups, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you want to give gobs of money, you can do it. And that's filtered down to every level of politics, even Mm -hmm. to the mayor's race, even to ward races. Um, Illinois, in theory, has its own campaign finance limits, but you can buy your way out of them. And in this race, uh, Willie Wilson, early on mm-hmm. in the mayor's race, um, gave himself enough money that it broke the, the caps for every other candidate. So it's been anything goes uh, for, for most of the last year. Mm-hmm. So that's why uh, all of you uh, Chicagoans out there, that's why you're barraged. <laughs> every time you try to watch a game or a TV show, you yeah. are barraged with ads or even get onto social media or something, you're barraged because... There's tons of money flowing through this thing. Now, I know I know, listeners will be like, man, you started out talking about this historic election, <laughs> and we have meandered. Now we're going to come back because you mentioned uh, an important figure, I think, uh, in this election in terms of endorsements. Uh, Willie Wilson, who was on the ballot, I think he got like about 10% or something uh, around that. Um, Which was a vote. lot in this race. Again, yeah. reminding people, 14 candidates in the top two both finished less than 20%. Yeah. So... If you got into the teens in this race, you were you had a really strong showing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So he gave his endorsement to Lori Lightfoot, and 
what because we're looking once again historic we're looking at a new possibly a new era um for chicago uh what's that going to look like how important is that endorsement uh in your estimation uh, for lori lightfoot well, if you're one of the candidates, you would certainly rather have the endorsement than have it go to the other person. <laughs> sure, Whether sure. Uh, Willie Wilson has coattails or not to get people to the polls, I'm not sure. I mean, we have to kind of see, and I don't even I don't know if we'll ever really know because there's so many different factors, so many different endorsements going on. Just to remind people real quickly, Willie Wilson uh, uh, comes from very humble background. I believe he came from the South yeah. and uh, has you know, made a fortune. And so he's uh, your, your classic rags to riches story. And around Chicago, he's very well known, not only because he's run for mayor twice now, but also because he writes checks and gives out cash to people mm -hmm. who are behind on their house payments or their utility bills. He's known as this uh, just, he just bails, a great character. He bails people out of jail, nonviolent offenders. Exactly. And I just want to make it very clear, I was not making any reference at all for anybody who thought when I was talking about folks just opened up their checkbooks. Um, uh, Dr. Willie Wilson does not fit into that category in any shape or form. Well, so, he has gotten in. I, I <clears throat> agree with you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about wealthy people who are trying to basically buy an election. Yeah. But, um, and, and while we're being fair to, to Dr. Wilson, we should also note, you know, he there have been questions about is it, is it really right for him to hand out cash to people when he's also <laughs> running for office? I mean, you know, uh, he has a history of this incredible generosity, yeah. but it's it's against the law to buy votes. And so there's has been a, a debate about whether um, he's crossed the line. Bottom line, whatever you think of him, what a great character in Chicago. Yeah. What, just a, a classic Chicago, uh, now political character. Mm -hmm. And um, you're right, a really strong showing. He won more of the black wards than either of the, the black women who are yeah. now in the, in the runoff, in the final, essentially. Mm -hmm. If we think about this as an NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. Uh, we got two candidates. We're now in the final game, the championship game. So he actually had a, a, a stronger showing ward by ward than either of them did. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... That's why I say, hey, if you got him on your side, that's that's you're going to say that's a great thing. Whether he actually has an organization um, that that motivates people and gets people to the polls, I'm not sure about that. I've right. heard some debate, but uh, yeah, if I'm a candidate, I'd take it too, right? Yeah. You want his endorsement? Yeah, it, it's certainly better than the alternative. That's right, right. right. And you know, it's worth noting uh, real quickly that. A lot. Not everyone who ran in the first round, not all 14 candidates, have endorsed either Tony or Lori in the yes. second round. But most of those who have mm -hmm. have endorsed Lori. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure Tony would love to have had some of those endorsements, but they've mostly gone to Lori. And you know, I, I really think that's that's a, a fascinating dynamic that we're looking at right now because having having those endorsements, but also looking at uh, Tony Preckwinkle who. He, who who still is currently the president of the Cook County Democratic um, um, right organization? She, she's the right? party. She's the party chair. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's party she's chair. the president of the county board, so that's her government job. And then her political or party job is she's the uh, the chair of the of the county Democratic Party, which is why some people refer to her as a boss because yeah. the last person who 
was both mayor and chair of the Cook County Democratic Party was Richard J. Daly, mm-hmm. uh, the original boss, Daly. Yeah, yeah Daddy Daly. Daddy Daly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I think that that's a, like I said, an interesting contrast because you have these, uh, you have these endorsements that are being put, you know, toward uh, towards uh, Lori Lightfoot, but you really have in Tony a representation, and I don't say this any, with any negative connotation, but you have the the machine incarnate, you know, um, in front of you, and to and to think that now the kind of the word on the street is that it looks like Lori is, you know, she is outside the system, but has been in the system, right? Right. But absolutely. she's ahead, and I, I think that's just a really, uh, I think it's a really interesting uh, scenario that we're seeing, like. Where's the weight of the machine? I, well, I absolutely agree. I mean, a couple things there. The machine doesn't exist like it used to. There's not, uh, there is not a, a patronage system. There are not uh, award-based system where you had precinct captains and assistant precinct captains who, who owed their jobs to the Democratic Party and then worked to get people to the polls on election day. There's nothing like that that exists anymore. Now, certainly in terms of name recognition, in terms of political power. Tony Preckwinkle came into the mayor's race as the, the leader. I mean, she was the established name. She was the person who seemingly had the biggest platform yeah. going into this thing. But you know, that's why it all depends on what kind of an election is. Four years ago, Chicago had its first runoff election. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rahm Emanuel challenged by uh, Jesus Chuy Garcia who pushed him into a run, and, and several others, including Dr. Wilson. Yeah. They ended up in a runoff, Chewy versus Rom. And the minute the runoff phase started, Rom tried to make an election about who has the most experience. Who do you trust at a time when Chicago's finances are you know, a mess, we have issues with public safety, we want investment in our neighborhoods. Who, who's the steady hand you can trust to make sure that we don't, slip backwards. That was essentially his message. Yeah. And they tried to portray Chewy as someone who is inexperienced. He's not ready to walk in there in there on day one and be mayor. Mm-hmm. Now here we are four years later and what people are looking for is completely different. There is one candidate in this in this race who has the executive experience and knows the city has represented the city in public office for more than two decades, mm-hmm. who seemingly could walk into the mayor's office knowing what she's doing more than anybody else, and that's Tony Preckwinkle. And yeah. yet, that's been held against her throughout this whole campaign. She's an insider. Yeah. Look at, she. we got this whole long record. Look at some of the things she's done during her time in office. We're tired of her. We want someone else. Mm-hmm. That's been sort of the tone, and, and Lori Lightfoot has been the great beneficiary of that. So it's and a change election, so you know, fresh face has got the advantage. And is it a misperception to see Lori Lightfoot as, as, a, as, as a fresh face, even because she has, um, because she's been a presence in past administrations? Is, you know, well, yeah, I mean, if, if you're, I mean, it's, this, is the, this is the irony, isn't it, is mm-hmm. that most voters actually don't know, want someone who they can't trust to do the job, of course. Sure. But at the same time, we also want somebody who's new. And in this era, we want in, in Chicago in this era, most voters seem to want someone who's a pure progressive. We don't want anyone who's tainted by anything that's come before now. Sure. Yet 
we don't want them to, to get in there and be like, you know, what the heck am I doing? You know, I'm totally lost. So it's this weird struggle. But I, th I think you're exactly right. I, I think that um, it's a little bit of a misnomer to think that Lori is, uh, is a totally fresh face. She, you, you said at the beginning of the show, you know, she's worked a couple different jobs, uh, police accountability, Office of Professional Standards, which was an accountability office within the police department. She worked under former Mayor Daley. She served as the president of the Chicago Police Board, which is another um, police oversight agency. She did that under Rahm. She uh, was one of the leaders of the Department of Procurement. Um, yeah. do the contracting at the city level, which has always had a problem, by the way, with getting enough minority contractors around here. Um, so she's had a bunch of inside jobs, which if you're a supporter of hers, you're like, whoo, at least she she knows her way around City Hall. <laughs> right, and right. if you're looking for the purest person out there on the street, that's not Lori Lightfoot, but right. that's where we are. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Do you see a particular um, advantage for either candidate in dealing with uh, city Council? Well, I would think that um, Tony knows her way around City Council. She was an alderman for 19 years, so right. she was a part of that. There are still people in City Council she was colleagues with for much of her time in office. And um, so just in terms of having the relationships and knowing the way that aldermen work, what their jobs are day to day, their dealings with past mayors, Tony is going to have an edge there. But again, in this era where everyone is claiming they want something new, um, you know, Lori and her supporters have managed to make that almost a bad thing about Tony. Oh, you're an alderman. Look at all the aldermen who've gone to prison, right. you know, and, and so it's like you're, you're, you're guilty by association almost. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a very interesting thing is the way we swing back and forth as voters and in, in what our preferences are. It makes me think about, and I can't remember who the, who the, um, who he was debating, but uh, you, you probably remember this when President, former President Reagan, uh, during the uh, campaign, uh, questions about his age were being brought up, and I think he asked he asked his opponent um, how old he was or something like that, and he says, "Well, uh, if you don't hold my age against me, I won't hold yours against exactly. you." Exactly. You know, exactly. so it, it was really a way to turn kind of turn the table what looks to be a deficit into uh, an asset. I mean, say what you will about Reagan, whether you're a fan, not a fan, the guy was a master at things like that. Oh, yeah. Sense of humor, mm -hmm. the one-liners, and, and you're right. So he, at that point in time, I think was going to be the oldest, he was going to be the oldest president on inauguration day in our history. And so, yeah, he said something to the effect, and I don't remember, I think it was against, I think it was against Carter, but it could have been against Mondale. He I think against, it was Mondale. Was it Mondale? So yeah. it was the set, it was his re-election. Yeah. Um, so he, you're right. He turned it against him, and basically was like, "I agree. I, I won't hold my. You're right. I won't <laughs> hold my my opponent's youth against him or whatever his age yeah. against him. Relative inexperience. Reagan came up again this week. Did you see this? There was a um, in one of the debates. There's been uh, mayoral debates almost every night this week in Chicago. Mm -hmm. At one point in time. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, Tony Breckwin was saying something, and Lori Lightfoot said, there she goes again, which was another Reagan yeah. line from, uh, I think that one was from, I think that one was from the Carter, uh, mm -hmm. one of the Carter debates, but again, I c could complain. So anyway, in this very democratic city with two candidates trying to 
outmaneuver each other as progressives. Yeah. It's so funny that uh, the ghost of Reagan keeps coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think that that is certainly worth uh, contemplating on how he's looming over, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Chicago. Um, one of the things that I have been surprised about is uh, that there was not an endorsement or, you know, of course, I don't know the, the inner workings. And I'm sure that right after Election Day, campaign managers, uh, folks were reaching out to those, uh, you know, those candidates that, that didn't make it and saying, look, we need you on board. Uh, but to not get an endorsement from Amara Enya, uh, and we're talking, you know, offline about how she uh, held a, pre a press conference recently. Uh, I thought that was, I thought that was a really bad uh, situation for, for either candidate. And I'll tell you why. Because she had the endorsement of Chance the Rapper, and she was also endorsed by Kanye, but <laughs> but but we'll say but we'll which focus didn't, on which didn't help her, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not not at all, not at all, right? Uh, so I mean, music aside, we're talking. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking something else. But she had the endorsement of Chance, who has so much social capital, right? Uh, with with young people, with millennials, um, in the city, and to think if there's a possibility, to use the, 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 the phrase you used, that is, does she have coattails, right? Could she have translated that support uh, and that base to one of these candidates? I thought that was like a huge miss, a huge uh, failure, um, particularly for, I'm gonna say it, right? And this is not me endorsing either, but particularly for Tony Preckwinkle. Well, I don't know if either of the candidates sought her endorsement. Um, Amara, despite Chance's advocacy for her, despite fundraising help from Kanye, I think she finished sixth in the race. She got about eight percent of the uh, vote. Right. Yeah. So she finished. You know, if you're if you're again looking at the standings in baseball, you know she finished upper division. You would say. Yeah. But you know, she she didn't uh, she wasn't able to translate those high profile endorsements into a stronger finish. Now that said, again, you would rather have her endorsement than it go to somebody else. I don't know if those candidates, if Lori or Tony sought her endorsement. What is interesting though is that Chance came out with an endorsement and he didn't I don't know if he coordinated or if he informed Amara. I, I don't know what the relationship is like, but he came out a couple of weeks ago and endorsed Tony Preckwinkle. Oh, His dad, of course, is one of her campaign co-chairs. Okay. Um, uh, Chance's dad, uh, Ken Bennett, is a longtime uh, you know, political operative and government worker. He's worked, I think, in the Obama administration. He worked for Rom. And so if Chance was gonna come out in round two it seemed unlikely that he was going to, you know, break go from, yeah, go the other way yeah. and, and openly and just a two, two woman race that he was going to, he was going to go against his father's candidate, two woman race. And so he did come out for Tony Preckwinkle, but it was, it, that seemed like a missed opportunity too. Mm -hmm. He held a press conference and Tony wasn't even there. So it was this weird thing where, where he's uh, announcing it. And I, I don't know, you know, I think she was overseeing a County board, meeting at that time, fine, so schedule it for another time. I mean, right. I just I just don't understand what they were thinking. I don't know the behind-the-scenes story there, but that did seem like a, a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say so. Um, and I think, and the reason I bring it up is because uh, in the, uh, you know, in, in the election, the largest group 
uh, to show up at the polls, I think was the 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 55 to whatever it was the older sure yeah the older group um so they make up the largest group of uh, of those who actually vote but the largest group of voters is that group that 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 folks like chance uh and uh and uh and amara inya actually dr amara inya uh that they actually are you know that 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 their base is comprised of so i think the strategy from my perspective, right? Not, well, actually, I did run. I did run for elected office. Did you? But yeah, I ran. I lived in Salt Village uh, about ten years ago. I ran for trustee. Okay. Uh, I did not win. Uh, <laughs> I did get some votes, but it was a great experience. Um, but to the, energize, the only office I've ever run for is class is uh, class vice president. Uh, my junior year of high school. Okay. Which I did win, and was a stroke of genius because. Class vice president, like vice presidents everywhere, don't really, they have a great title and don't really have much responsibility. Even back then, you know, I was on top of this political stuff. That's a win win. <laughs> but, but I mean, but, but I go back to this idea of, of uh, as a strategy, not just winning over your opponents. Uh, uh, voters, not just getting their endorsements, but energizing that, that the largest group of voters, which is that 25 to 40 or whatever, you know, that age range is, energizing them and getting them out to the polls. Cause that could actually make, that could make a huge difference. I agree with you, but if you're gonna do that, I think you have to do it now for the next election in four years. You have it's too to, late now. It's too late now. Um, and, and people have been talking about this as long as you and I have both been alive. How do we get young people to the polls? They just historically don't vote in the same numbers as older people. Why is that? There's all sorts of theories. One of them, I think, at the city level is simply that older people tend to be more invested in home ownership. They tend to be more invested in having their kids in school. Uh, they tend to be more invested in maybe they either work for the, a city agency or public agency or they know people who do. Uh, they're, they're paying more of their income to taxes and so far down the line. It's just you get to a certain age and you tend to be more invested in the system or systems around you. That, that's my theory. Uh, but you're totally right. It's an untapped group of voters. Mm -hmm. Could make a huge difference. I would love to see young people's energy translate into policy. Uh, but it's going to take incredible organizing. So I think by the time you get to you know, five or six weeks in a runoff election, it's too late. You need to be working on it now for 2020, for 2022, for 2023. Yeah. And then having a guy like uh, Jay Maul Green, you know, right. we, we've had him on the program. Um, I probably I said his name wrong earlier, so apologies. No, I think you did. Yeah. I think you said it right. But, um, but having a guy like him who had to bow out early because right. – because you know he didn't have the he didn't have the financial resources uh, to deal with you know his petitions his signatures being challenged uh, and if anybody's if you've ever run a, a campaign if you've ever been a part of one that's like campaign uh, that's that's campaigning 101 you you almost always expect that your signatures are going to again right. uh, you know be challenged. But uh, but anyway, but I bring him up because once again he's one of those young folks, right? He's like 22, 23 years old, um, active social capital. That's to me. I think you might be able to circumvent some of the work that 
you know, that you would have to do that might take you a year or, or two years to do uh, in between elections, whatever, uh, by getting the right person that, that already has uh, uh, supporters, already, you know, has social capital. So that's why I point to Amara. I point to uh, a guy like uh, Jay Maul um, as missed opportunities. And, and maybe they just didn't see, see them, you know, as viable or think there was much to be mined there. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think you bring up a lot of good points. I, I both agree with you and, and probably see it a little differently in a couple of things. I mean, first of all, you're running for mayor. Right. And when you're in your 20s, most voters, including me, I'm a skeptic. What have you done? Are you ready to go in and be mayor? Yeah. We were just talking about, is Lori Lightfoot ready to be mayor? She's in her 50s and has held various public uh, appointments, public jobs, in addition to having been a federal prosecutor, being an attorney in private practice. Even so, is she ready to run the city of Chicago? That's an open question that we may very well find out. So you know, take away 30 years of experience, mm -hmm. and you have the same questions. You know, a lot of people questioning Amara. I mean, like her, her smarts, they like her policy proposals. Mm -hmm. You've run a small nonprofit. What are, qualifies you to be this, the mayor of the city of Chicago? I think that's a fair and valid question, and I think that um, a lot of candidates at that phase of their careers have a hard time answering it. It doesn't mean they can't answer it. It doesn't mean they, they couldn't do a good job if they got in there. But I think it's, a, it's something that they have to overcome. Now, while we're talking about this, there's another uh, person who has made a name for himself primarily as an activist who's in a runoff for alderman, William Calloway in the Fifth Ward. Um, he is one of the people who who filed the Freedom of Information Act request to get the videotape of Laquan McDonald released. Mm -hmm. We're, we are no, we know, most of us know the name of Laquan McDonald because of his work to get that video out there, which so, so many people have seen, which you know, changed everything about that, that case, mm -hmm. uh, about the city politics. It's probably one of the reasons why Rahm didn't run. So yeah. he decided to get involved. He decided to run at the ward level, and he has pulled uh, Leslie Hairston, who is a uh, fifth ward alderman for, uh, I think, almost 20 years. He's managed to pull her into a runoff. And so, you know, that's another thing I would throw out there. For young people, you don't necessarily just have to run for mayor. There are other offices. There's state rep. There's alderman. Mm -hmm. You know, get, get some experience. See how this thing works. And then maybe you can take a shot at mayor if that's in the cards you know a little bit down the road so you don't have to necessarily go for the whole thing right away and do you think i think those are those are great points um yeah work your way up right? work your get way your up get wet. some experience yeah, make yourself your a stronger wet. candidate yeah but do you think there is a perception that the office of mayor is one that is a um is, is simply is driven by your singular ability uh and not taken into account your ability to to build coalition your ability to 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 govern uh and you know just to just just to be a team player um and to have a vision and it doesn't necessarily have to be just your vision but a vision that reflects uh the the, the highest aspirations of the of the people do you think people see it as a as a coach like figure or they see you as the you know i guess as, as the, the the starting quarterback well, I, I would use a different analogy. I think people traditionally have seen it as the monarch of a city-state. And so who gets to be king of the city-state? 
well, that's pretty much chosen by a small group of royalty. They have traditionally picked who the candidates are and we get to choose from. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's different about this election. I like your analogy better. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I just, I mean, this is, the, this is one of the, outside of Washington, D.C., I mean, this is like the most politicized city probably in the United States. And it's fascinating to people even who don't live here because of this old school App, political apparatus we have, even if it's not a machine in the, the old sense of what we were talking about before with patronage workers and precinct captains, mm-hmm. you know, Rom was still picked oh, to yeah. be the heir to Richard M. Daly, Absolutely. who was mayor because everybody knew him because of his daddy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, were they unqualified? Well, probably not. They'd both done other things, but would they have been in that position to win, to be the favorite candidate to win without all the people, the, the, the political royalty here lining up behind them. No, absolutely not. No. So this has not been a particularly democratic process historically to pick our mayor, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we had essentially a free-for-all and then 14 candidates on the ballot, I thought was just, people were overwhelmed by it. I was overwhelmed by it at certain points too. But man, that was awesome. I think that's a great oh, thing. Really? It's a step forward. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We just got done talking about we had we had multiple Hispanic candidates. We had multiple African American candidates. It wasn't just uh, you know one white guy who was anointed by this small group of insiders. I, I think. Is it perfect? Are, are are the candidates who are now in the race perfect? Absolutely not. But this was a big thing that just happened in Chicago. You know what? I guess you can you could look at it as a as a good thing only because of I, I'll concede I, I'll concede that I'll say that it's a good thing only because of the absence of Rahm Emanuel now had Rahm still been running and you had all those other folks in then it would have to me it would have been counterproductive it would, it would have simply been symbolic but him not being there and having all these different candidates and not having um, even though I think a lot of folks felt like uh, Tony Preckwinkle had the inside track on it. Uh, right. She had the name recognition. He had the experience and, you know, all of that. Um, but there was not, like you said, an anointed individual that was up for it. So that's, that's I, true. I guess I could, you know, I, I, can, I can go along with that. <laughs> I mean, we'll never know what would have happened if Rom had run. I, um, he, he would have had the, all the name recognition, the money, and the advantage but he would have faced a much smaller field. Most of the people got into the race after Rahm announced he wasn't running. So there would have been a much smaller group of people running against him. Yeah. And all you have to do in Chicago is keep him below 50% and then you get him into a runoff. Yeah. I think there would have still been, we'll never know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, so I will concede that you and I could <laughs> sit here and argue all day or debate, whatever, but we'll never know. I think there's definitely a possibility that even if it was Lori Lightfoot Willie Wilson, who else was in in the first round? Paul Vallis was in early. Mm-hmm. Gary, uh, Chico. Gary, Gary, Gary Chico got in afterward. Uh, okay. Gary McCarthy was in, though. I yeah. think even with, with that much more limited cast of characters, there's a chance that an unpopular mayor gets dragged into a runoff, and then when it's one-on-one, becomes a referendum on the incumbent, anything can happen, especially in the era of Donald Trump. So... I don't know. We'll never know. And it's it's fun to argue about. Um, yeah. But we're, we're where we are now. And mm-hmm. uh, again, whoever's going to be mayor, uh, she will not be perfect. But 
we are breaking new ground. Absolutely, absolutely. What's the, 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 the day one challenge for our new mayor? Or is there a singular uh, issue that, that, that you'd bring up? Because you, you mentioned earlier on about the, uh, the development the, that's being contested. Uh, where is it, in, in Lincoln Park? Yeah, it's, it's just west of Lincoln Park. It's along the north branch of the Chicago River. And if, if memory serves correct, uh, correctly, they've, I've heard things about, you know, like they're trying to rush it through and uh, right. it's like, well, hold on, let's wait a minute, let's wait for the new mayor, uh, you know, to take office. Uh, is, is that going to be number one or one of the top, top things, you think? There's a number of things like that that Rahm will leave for his successor to uh, shake out. That particular development and a couple other initiatives, Rahm really wants to get pushed past the finish line and have everything signed, dotted, consummated by the city council so that he can say that he did it. And he's not going to leave that to the next mayor. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. I think, though, fundamentally, the main thing that the the next mayor is going to have to do on day one is instill confidence in voters. There are, uh, you know, behind the either excitement or the um, the uh, ad nauseum effect of the election wherever you are, and, and some of us are both of those at once, um, you know, there are some real issues here, and there's some real questions that even longtime uh, diehard Chicagoans have about the future of the city. So I think, first of all, they're going to have to instill that someone who's, um, you know, not named daily, uh, not anointed. By the way, we had a daily in the first round. That's another thing historic. Bill Daly was in the race and didn't win. We had a Daly who didn't advance to the runoff, which is notable in Chicago history in its own right. So I think we're going to have someone who's not necessarily anointed by uh, the usual suspects to be the mayor. Can that person instill confidence across the city uh, beyond just the wards that end up voting for her? Can can they rally people behind her? I think that's going to be the first and an ongoing challenge throughout the, the mayor's first term. Then very quickly, you're going to get at really huge issues like all the bills that are coming due. Chicago um, has issues with property taxes already. We're going to have to pay more for our pensions, our indebtedness. Public safety is going to be right up there at the top of the list, if not the very top thing. Um, not only cutting the cutting the crime statistics, but again, instilling confidence in people, not just on the north side, ensconced in nice neighborhoods, mm-hmm. um, but across the city. And I should note, it's not just a north-south side thing. There have been two people murdered uh, downtown in River North outside of uh, you know entertainment districts within the last month in Chicago. So they're going to have to instill confidence. She is going to have to instill confidence that we can take on these huge issues and that she's the person to do it. Mm. Well, it is in all of our best interest um, to pray for, hope for uh, the success of, of our new mayor uh, and, 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 and really hope that she is able to help pull the city together and push the city forward. Amen to all that. Yeah. I, uh, whoever wins, um, that I agree with you completely. So yeah. whatever you do, pray, hope, all the above. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's root for the next mayor, whoever it is. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, I have been talking with Mick Dunkey. He is a uh, reporter for ProPublica. Uh, also host a weekly, 
what is monthly. Like monthly. Monthly, yeah. Oh, that's a lot. It feels monthly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't put that on me. I can't yeah. deal with that. Yeah. So it's it's a month, monthly like uh, is it a, like a live it's a talk live show? talk show um, in a in a bar where we just we have conversations like this in front of an audience of people who are. Uh, some of whom are drinking beverages, some of whom are shouting epithets, some of whom are raising questions. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah, um, check out on, you know, follow me on social media. We'll, we'll announce the next one and uh, check out. And we should have you come one of these times, too. I'd love to come. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, now tell folks where to find you on Twitter and social media. Mickey D, at Mickey D 1971, which dates me, but that's the way it is. Hey, so. it's, a, it's a good date. <laughs> All right. Uh, always a pleasure. Hey, thanks for having me on. Great. All right, Great. All right Radio Sound family, we thank you all for listening. Uh, remember, 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 uh, make sure you're subscribed to that podcast at Radio Slime USA, uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, uh, and Apple Podcasts and all those other spaces. All right, I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guest are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. And with that, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.